just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. This episode of the Loki podcast was recorded a little while before we all started going into quarantines and lockdowns with coronavirus. Please do take that into consideration as you listen, as it may be that we don't really address things that have been going on in relation to COVID-19 and quarantines, because we didn't really know the full effect at the time that we we did the recording. I hope that won't affect your enjoyment of the podcast. Please do enjoy this chat with my fellow presenter and good friend Benny Naude about falling in love with presenting. Welcome to the Loki Podcast with John Ball from Present Influence. My name is John Ball, and I'm delighted to introduce to you my guest for today, a friend of mine who is a presentation skills trainer, helping people around the world overcome their fears of public speaking. Please welcome to the Loki podcast, Benny Nodier. Benny, welcome to the Loki podcast. Great to have you with us. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. I'm really thrilled that we've managed to sort out some of the technical issues we've been having. And as we get started in our, our chat today, I want to ask you a little bit about your journey from where you've been to what's brought you to becoming someone who helps people over, overcome their fears of public speaking. Well, I started off in uh, corporate IT and eventually ended up traveling the world implementing IT systems. And then about halfway in my IT career, I I realized that I really wanted to work more with people than machines. I did a lot of courses. That's one of the places I met you um, and really found that facilitating workshops and events and teaching stuff really energized me more than anything else I knew. So after 20 years in IT, I quit and started my own business teaching uh, energy psychology around the world and also saw private clients. And then one evening I was in Sydney preparing for uh, one of these energy psychology trainings. And I suddenly thought, that was, what am I going to offer the people over and above the course that I was presenting? You know, and and then suddenly it wasn't planned. I wasn't kind of looking for something. Suddenly this name, fall in love with presenting, just popped into my head. And, um, well, so that was the beginning of me actually creating the Fall in Love with Presenting course. Also, my, when I started presenting, uh, it was terrible. I was petrified. I used to go bright red in my neck. My stomach would churn. I'd have to run to the loo. I would sometimes freeze up, you know, and then afterwards I feel embarrassed and ashamed. It was a nightmare for me. And then 
I actually ended up loving the whole experience. And then I, I knew from experience how many people were actually struggling with it. And then it just made sense to put together a course that actually helped people. Yeah, I mean, I, I can relate to that from, from my own experience. Most people start off in public speaking being somewhat scared. And some people, you know, I, I, I'm sure you have as well, seen people running off in tears and just not able to do it because the fear can sometimes be so intense. And it is a big thing to overcome, but it's a, a huge developmental journey to be able to do that. And for anyone who wants to have any kind of influence and uh, wants to really step up their leadership game, it's a really important skill to have. What, what makes this exciting for you to work in this area and what kind of results have you helped people achieve? So, you know, sometimes when people hear presentation skills, they think it means standing on a platform speaking to 100 people. The fact is we present all the time. So I'm doing some work for a corporate, uh, for a corporate uh, corporation here in South Africa at the moment. People go to team meetings. They do presentations to the board to get buy-in for their ideas. You know, there's constant pres presenting and presentations. And as you just said about the influencing, you know, if, if you cannot present an idea well, it cannot land well, and therefore, you know, the people on the receiving end might not be receptive at all. Most corporate presentations I've seen are as boring as all tomorrow. Um, you know, they PowerPoint after PowerPoint after PowerPoint being read to the audience. So I realized that there's another way of doing it, and the the biggest joy for me in in this work is it's it's about more than simply being able to stand in front of people and speak well it's about feeling more confident in yourself as a person to actually let your voice be heard you know right. um, the the reasons why people have this fear of public speaking is often there, there are many of them that are the same for people the fear of not being good enough the fear of being judged you know the fear of forgetting their words so ultimately, when, when people raise their confidence and the skill level, because there's two things, it's not just the fear, it's also, you know, you need to know what you're doing. You put those two things together, people have gone from literally throwing up in my class to presenting to a group of 150 people and loving it. Uh, somebody else did the course three times uh, because she was just petrified. And then recently she let me know that she's running her own online courses now. Wow. So for me, that type of thing, you know, I've often said, I think, I think the thing that really makes us happy in life is not so much, you know, the things around us, we all kind of know that, but it's finding a way to express yourself in a way that brings you joy. And that for most of us does involve communication of sorts. So when you can communicate in a way that not only lands well, but that you love it, so it energizes you, you know, it's just... It's just great. So hearing those types of stories uh, just, yeah, just fills me with joy. Now, a lot of people, a lot of people, when they do first start thinking or looking to something like presenting and public speaking, a lot of people, their fear is going to stop them even trying or even thinking too much about it. How, how do you yeah. get people to, to come in and recognize this is something that they can do and get past that fear? You're absolutely right. I had feedback um, from my website, for example, that even just reading it, you know, sometimes I speak to people about the fear of public speaking and their hands would start sweating or they start blushing, you know, even just thinking about it. 
So I've actually changed some of the wording on my site to address that. Um, the course is presented in a way that's really safe. People are not recorded or put on the spot or embarrassed or humiliated. But what I found, most people come through word of mouth. It's once people have gone through the training that they can assure other people that they know that it is a real safe environment. We have a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. We take it step by step by step. Um, and, you know, and like I said, you're right. The the people who don't know me or don't know the content, um, even just thinking about it freaks them out. So I think, you know, unlike other courses that you might just want to do and go do, people have to even overcome like a big hurdle before they even sign up for the course. Yeah. So that's also why I've decided to make more information available for free so that people can get to know the content and, and can help themselves to overcome at least some of the fear um, so that they can have a better understanding of how the course fits together and see if it's something that they want to do. Is, is there a particularly common route to the fear that you encounter or is it a number of different reasons or fears that come up for people? Mostly, it, I would say it boils down to self-esteem. You know, there's some nuances, like some people um, uh, grew up with a thing of children should be seen and not heard, uh, or they were told things like, you know, who do you think you are? Um, or they were labeled a know-it-all when they, when they knew things, when they were smart and spoke up for it, or they were, were labeled as arrogant. On an extreme level, you know, children were um, admonished or sometimes even um, hurt because they spoke to adults, you know, you know, the thing about children shouldn't speak up. One of the most common things is when people did orals in typically in primary school and they either forgot their words or got something wrong and the class laughed and or they were scolded by the teacher, mm -hmm. they go into extreme humiliation. And that memory of being humiliated in that way gets with the, with the emotional brain that we have, this is physiology, it gets associated with speaking up in public. So even as adults in that, you know, they might not remember the particular event, but somehow when they think of public speaking, this fear of being humiliated comes up, and then they just avoid it at all costs. So then also common things are the fear of forgetting the words, you know, stuttering, stammering, blushing, um, getting it wrong, not being able to answer a question, uh, people judging them, people leaving the audience, you know, walking out on them or challenging them and, and proving them wrong in some way. So those are kind of the most common ones. Yeah. It's amazing to me how common these things actually are. And I'll tell you, 95% of them goes back to childhood. People are That's amazed fun. and yeah. astonished when they find out what the root actually is. Sometimes it seemed an insignificant event when they think about it now. Uh, but actually, you know, as I said, the association was made in the brain between humiliation and speaking up. And no wonder, you know, they, uh, they'll but be on a stage or speak up. Yeah, it is interesting. And I think one of the things that I encounter or find a lot in, in my Toastmasters organization where I regularly see new people come and go. Uh, some people stick with it and some people get scared off. Um, but one thing I, I generally see is most people, even if it's their first time doing it, have an expectation that they should be good right away. And that's even more the case when you see somebody who is experienced get up on the stage and do that and think to yourself, I'm never going to be that good. And yet I know that you and I have both been in that position in the past Ooh. of seeing other people in there and thinking, I don't know if I'm ever going to be that good. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, mine was a step worse. I decided that I would never be as good as them. You know, they were just so miles ahead of me. I, there was no way I could ever um, achieve that. So I absolutely agree that the, you know, the natural, if unhealthy thing that we compare ourselves with other people. And then often people say to me in the classroom, but you make it look so easy. And I go, yeah, I've presented more than 200 and something times around the world. And then, you know, how many times have I practiced? And then what I also share with them is how many times did I absolutely suck at it? You know, I had to learn somehow the difference, I think, between me and I don't want to say most, but some other people is I was willing to stick it out because I knew that this is what I wanted to do with my life. I knew that this was the thing. This was the tool for me to express myself and bring real fulfillment to my life. Uh, so I was willing to do it. You know, I often use examples in my in the in the course. I wanted to start le- playing the piano a couple of years ago, so I went for lessons. You know, I'm 51 now, so I was like in my late 40s and went for piano lessons. And after about two months, when I could barely do the scales, I just went, "No, nah, it's just too hard," and I gave it up. So the result is I can't play the piano. And it's exactly that, you know, with presentation skills, we, we spoke about it before, there's the overcoming the fear, and then there's learning the skills, and then there's practice, 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 practice. And there is no shortcut. I have found some people seem to be born natural speakers, but the rest of us mere mortals, we have to practice and learn, and there's just no shortcut. But even, even people who are maybe born or raised with maybe a confidence level or um, something that makes it just easier for them to stand up and be a natural speaker and raconteur, there are still a lot of skills and tricks of the trade, if you like, that would have to be learned that just don't come naturally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So go ahead. You you were going to add to that. Yeah. I was working with a group uh, recently, also a corporation here in South Africa, and they, they were planning this two-week training event, and it was back-to-back packed with presentations. And the initial thought was to do it the way that corporations usually do it, corporates, and it was, there were 600 and something slides prepared for this two weeks. And I knew that if you were going to show the same group of people 650 slides over two weeks, they would be bored out of their skulls, retention would be virtually yeah. zero, and you know they wouldn't understand or remember anything. So I then had a session with the presenters and some of them were like, well, I don't have a fear of public speaking. You know, why should I listen to you? And, you know, as as you said, even if you don't have a fear, there are some skills that if you learn them, and they're very simple things, you, you, you apply them skillfully, it changes the whole dynamic of the presentation from a monologue to a dialogue or a conversation, which means the energy in the room goes up for everybody. Everybody contributes to the conversation, and it changed the whole format of delivery, and it was ultimately received very, very well. So it's not just people, you know, with the fear. It's also, as you said, there's something, I don't know what I don't know. So definitely stuff to learn, you know, and even for me, I mean, I learn, I go to a lot of presentations and workshops, and then I usually have two hats. The one is I want to receive the content, and the other one is I see what the presenter does. Then times, you know, I, I think, okay, I never want to do that again, or I never want to do that because it didn't work, or I love that, I'm putting that into my next presentation. 
Yeah, I, I, I get a lot of that myself. You can learn so much by, by watching people and, and watching on a deeper level. And so it's an interesting thing that as much as I love Toastmasters, generally the feedback you get there is on a is very basic things they'll feed you back on your your tonality your use of an arrange vocal range eye contact these are all good things they're foundational they're foundational things so the the finer points don't often get looked at except by experienced and well trained speakers in those groups so you're only really only going to get kind of feedback of did you like it or not did you speak clearly had you prepared well enough, which are all important. But if you yeah. really want to go to a, a much higher level, if you want to be a professional or, or come across as a professional, you need to know some of the, the deeper level stuff, right? I agree. I think Toastmasters is great. And I think it's almost a good thing that they just stick to basic feedback because when feedback is given unskillfully, it really hurts people. You know, um, I have heard some horror stories of people delivering feedback like that was the worst presentation I'd ever seen or that was pathetic. And then, you know, all that does is shuts people down. They're going to humiliation, they stop learning and all that. So what I like about Toastmasters is that it sticks to the basics and that it's a safe environment where they get skillful feedback as opposed to, you know, criticism and being slashed. You know, some of these courses um, that I researched, the first thing they do when you get into the training room is they film you before you haven't taught you any skills. And then they play it back to the whole group and tear you apart in front of the whole group. Now, wow. I don't know what that's meant to achieve, but it's certainly not going to achieve confidence and learning stuff. It's just going to you know, cause people to shut down. So, yeah, I think Toastmasters has a great role in all of us. Absolutely. And it's one of the reasons why, why I keep going and why, why I love it because no matter how good you are, what level you think you're at or, or other people say you're at, there's always room for, for growth and improvement. You know, I even like to put myself in the pressure cooker of competitive speaking. And what you were saying earlier has made me think of, I entered like the public speaking world championships last year. And in oh, wow. the second round, I was, uh, I was really confident in my speech. I was really happy with it. I thought it was fun, entertaining, um, had it all worked out, I blocked the whole thing and lots of emotional range, vocal range. So I, I was fully confident and ready to go. And then got into the actual competition and the main competitor uh, was a, a girl living in Alicante. And I watched her and thought, oh, she's good. I have actually got some serious competition here. She's good. So I, I was kind of thinking, and it's between me and her, but I'm still pretty confident. And then I didn't win. And I was like, oh, man. No. Not necessarily because the talk wasn't good or because I wasn't good, but she won. Uh, and I, I went back and really examined myself of, there are things that I've assumed I'm at a level where I didn't need that much more help or work. And I went and hired myself a public speaking coach and discovered a whole ton of stuff that even with all the stuff I already knew, I didn't know. So, I mean, it, it, that took me to a new level and I know that there's levels beyond this as well to go to. Yeah. Um, that's why it's, it's so important to have somebody who can help you along, right? I agree. And again, you know, I, I keep coming back to the thing of skillful feedback. It's a way to give feedback to people that it opens them up and they become receptive because most of us focus on what we didn't do well. So I will have somebody do a 10 or 15 minute presentation and they would just be beautiful at it. 
And then once or twice they might forget their words and get a little stuck and then continue. And that's the thing that they remember. So they come back, oh, you know, I forgot my words. So then it's useful to have someone there to say, well, yes, you did forget your words twice. Here's the things you did great. So at least there's some balance in it. You know, typically we do a lot more good things than than wrong things. I don't even like that word wrong things, maybe ineffective things is a better word. And then in terms of feedback also, what, what I do, which is what I find really helpful, is I record everything on video and audio that I do. And then when I look back or listen back to it, <laughs> I discover things that I had no idea I was doing. You know, I like one of the things I noticed early on was I started virtually every sentence with the word so. So let's do this and so let's do that. So here's how this works. And I was like, I had no idea. Yeah, I picked up on you the myself, Ben. <laughs> exactly. And the mannerisms sometimes, you know, the things I'm like, I had no idea. I keep doing that thing repetitively. Yeah. So, um, you know, the other thing that, that uh, people find valuable in the course is to live stream on a, on a closed Facebook group and then getting feedback. So first of all, they see themselves. And then secondly, they get feedback from other people to, to help them understand what works and what doesn't work so well. Absolutely. It's one thing in the Toastmasters organization that we do aim to train members as when we when we get the chance to do so in how to give how to give feedback that is encouraging and developmental uh, and ends on a big positive as well i think that's super important but yeah there is something curious that you do when you start working with people which you told me about and and just want to get that from here when, when you start working with them on the course you don't start just necessarily teaching them their speaking skills right you, you do something else in your trainings yeah so the theology you know in our brains we have different parts of the brain so the frontal cortex is a bit that you and i are mostly using right now we have a conversation we talk about things we think about things we, we have logic and reason and so on and then there's a bit right in the middle of the brain called the limbic brain or the emotional brain and there's the, one of the parts of that part of the brain is called the amygdala. And simply when people go into a, a panic mode or freak out mode or really anxious state, the amygdala is the thing that is acting up and instructing the rest of the emotional brain to pump, to pump chemicals and hormones through the body that creates a sensation of fear and panic. When that happens, the brain, the frontal cortex, but shuts down because it thinks that you are in danger. It doesn't matter how logically you think about it. You know, I'll be fine. You know, what's the worst that could happen? When the because the limbic brain overpowers the frontal cortex by you know the power of it. So then, once these chemicals run through the body, the brain shuts down, and we are actually less intelligent. So now you're less intelligent, you have less access to your brain power, and now obviously you're going to stutter and stumble and forget your words and get things wrong. And then the whole thing just perpetuates. So the very first thing that we do to help people overcome the fear first is to work specifically on the nervous system first, on the limbic brain, to relax the limbic brain and the amygdala so that there can be more of a sense of calm and openness before you can then apply the skills. You know, some of the courses I did with you, I, I met, we hinted at it earlier, I was, I was petrified to the point of being ridiculous. You know, I couldn't understand why I was freaking out as much as I did, which meant that some of the techniques that we were taught, I, I couldn't take it in. I didn't understand it. You know, when I tried to apply it, I didn't quite get it. And so, you know, it's a down, downward spiral. 
So for me, the first thing we need to do for those people who do have a fear of public speaking, we need to address the fear first so that there can be more of a receptiveness to actually doing and practicing the skills. It's, it's true. Uh, interestingly, when the, the very first presentation skills training that I did, which I, I think we were at together, um, was um, I, I had just, I, I came in the, from a flight from LA the day that it started. So I'd worked on the flight, I came in straight to, I pretty much turned up in my uniform when I was there um, for, for, the, for the very first day direct from a flight. And I said to one of the trainers there, jo Joanna Martin, I said to her, um, I just, I'm, I'm a bit jet lagged, am I gonna be okay? And she said, you're perfect for this. That's exactly where you need to be. And I think it was, she was right to some degree because although my brain was a bit tired, my body was a bit tired, um, I was almost too tired to be quite as afraid as I might have otherwise been. Uh -huh. I think that was, uh, yeah. some ways worked out in my favor. But yeah, it's uh, really important uh, to work on those barriers, first of all. What, what sort of, how do you get people working on relaxing themselves in that way? What is it you actually do? So one of the energy psychology techniques that I used to teach is called EFT, Emotional Freedom Techniques. It's sometimes also called tapping. And what is great about EFT or tapping is people can use it on themselves. You know, it's great to go to somebody and have some sessions. And for the more basic stuff, like the fear of public speaking, fear of heights, stuff like that, once you've identified, um, you don't need to know where the fear comes from. You just need to be specific about, is it your fear of forgetting the words? Is it your fear of being rejected? Is it your fear of being judged? Whatever the particular nervousness or angst is about, then you apply this very gentle, very simple, non-invasive technique. And what it does is it rebalances the body's nervous system so that instead of the amygdala instructing the limbic brain to start pumping chemicals through the body, it breaks the link, the emotional link between whatever happened in your past that caused you to have this, this anxiety with the emotions that, 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 it, that it brings up. So it means that you, might, you still have your memories, your memories don't get changed, but the fear and the panic subsides. And typically it's permanent. Uh, what sometimes happens to people, they might, they might use the technique to reduce the fear of, for example, being judged. And, oh, and then they feel so much better. And then they do the next presentation and they might forget some of their words. So now they have this fear of, you know, they're going to forget their words next time. Then you apply the technique to that. And typically those types of changes are permanent. You know, it could take anything from 10, 15 minutes to perhaps a few hour sessions. Again, people can do this for themselves. Um, and then it just changes everything. I mean, it is quite remarkable. It used to be this esoteric pie in the sky alternative thing right. and now we have tons of research showing that it actually calms down the nervous system it reduces adrenaline in the body it reduces cortisol which is a stress hormone and a whole bunch of other tests they've done to actually prove that it works uh, and the mm -hmm. only thing that counts or that works against it is the fact that it is so simple that a lot of people think it can't it can't work because it's so simple you know, sometimes I think if we had complicated the whole process, more people might have tried it. Um, <laughs> and I'd highly encourage anybody to give it a shot. You know, you've got nothing to lose. And it actually works. Yeah, make it all sound really technical and complicated. and then make Exactly. Yeah. Training manual, you know, 400 pages long. Um, instead of a one-pager, like, here's pretty much how the basic technique works.
Now, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer uh, that public speaking skills, which are often referred to as soft skills, I don't think really that that is the case anymore. I think there's a lot of people arguing um, that it's a, a, a core skill now. It's really something that in business is essential to have, you know, especially if you have your own business or you're in any kind of business yeah. where you may have to present or you're looking to do anything where you're, you may be on video, you may be to a boardroom, you may be looking for investors, that it's not enough just to be able to get up and speak, but to be able to do that well and and that with changes that are happening in terms of technology and AI revolution and all these kinds of things, that public speaking and presentation skills are becoming more important than ever. Do you, do you have a take on that? Absolutely. I agree with everything you just said. You know, even Warren Buffett, one of the wealthiest people in the world, have said that being able to present well is one of the most important skills to get ahead. Now, it doesn't matter whether you work in a corporation or for yourself. The fact is you are in sales. If you're not a salesperson selling products, you're selling yourself and you're selling ideas. So you might be a brilliant scientist or IT person or computer programming sitting in the corner just doing amazing things. If you can't sell that idea well, it's going to be very hard for that idea to be taken up by people. And then also, you know, just the fact... Uh, is it right? Is it wrong? I don't know. It's just kind of the way that it seems to work. In corporations, the people who typically get promoted are the people who get noticed for the right reasons. Right. And when you can do presentations, that not only is nothing like the way other people present, but it's also engaging, interesting, energizing, um, then people get noticed. And, and you know, it's, it's, it, it won't hurt your career. Let me put it that way. It'll help you to get noticed and get ahead. And then the same thing, people with own businesses. Um, you know, I, I survive on my business. So I have to be able to sell it. And one of the ways that I do that is I present in a way that a lot of people find appealing. Um, and then they, you know, then they want to do business with me. So I agree this idea that it's an optional skill. So now that I think of it, my nieces were at university for the last few years. And then part of their grade was doing practical and doing oral exams, doing presentations. And they had never, ever been taught how to do them. Right. You know, which I think is just completely crazy. Even kids, you know, like I said earlier in, in school, having to do oral, and they haven't been taught anything. No wonder they get petrified, uh, you know, when they do that. So I agree. I think, I think the earlier we teach children how to present well, and then make it part of the curriculum as kids get older in university, I think just everybody will benefit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think it's something that you, you hear more that happens in US schools, that they have debate clubs and maybe not public speaking societies, well, perhaps some of them do, but they certainly have uh, places where you will get up and speak in front of other people and, and they actually teach debate skills. And I know that some of the... Uh, private schools in the UK certainly certainly do that as well, but probably most of the public education system there and here in Spain as well do not teach those kinds of things, and yet they are becoming essential business skills. And so there are people who are trying to get into those areas, and maybe you know, even even some people doing Toastmasters for uh, for teenagers and the lives, which is great. And uh, definitely wish I wish that I'd had that kind of 
uh, opportunity available and I did music and drama instead but which is yeah. which is probably probably helped in a lot of ways to, to be honest the performance aspects of it but yeah great to see now that you know more children are growing up with those skills but there's still a still a lot a long way to go still a lot that can be done I to agree. help improve that I mean, if you think about conferences, right? So the standard thing that I hear from people going to conferences is they just go for the booze and the parties because the actual talks are as boring as all hell. Right. Um, and, and you know, what, what research shows us, if it's just a simple monologue, somebody on stage, especially reading slides with their back to the audience or reading the, you know, the words on the slide, retention is something like 16%. If you ask somebody three days afterwards what that person said, they'll remember about 16% of what the person actually said. Yeah. So even it doesn't matter you know what profession you're in. If you want to be remembered for your content and for, you know as a, as an interesting speaker, you have to learn how to do it. There's no there's no real way around it. Do Do you have a, a favorite or most admired speaker or presenter? Do you know? Um, yes, I do. And interesting about him, he he does a lot of things that I tell my students not to do. Is <laughs> He's dead now. His name is Leo Buscalia, and he spoke about the most, he did the most passionate presentations. Now, I came up with these 11 keys to presentation mastery, and passion is one. And what I believe is if you have a lot of passion, you know, people can sense it, they can feel it. Then you can get away with a lot of, let's call it unskillful things, because your passion, you know, will, will people it'll kind of almost negate the things that you're not doing effectively. So Leo Bishkalia, hands down, pants down, um, his topics were amazing. He touched, you know, he touched people's hearts. Um, he spoke about love and passion and he was like Italian and he was big and he was, you know, he was as large as life. And he was funny as well. You know, humor is also one of the keys to presenting effectively because when people laugh, energy goes up. You know, energy levels go up, and I mean, you know, it just uh, yeah. So definitely, Leo Buscalia. Those those are things you want. Well, I'm going to, have to look look him up. I know for for me on a similar level. I mean, uh, Les Brown, you may have heard of, is quite well known, really. Been uh, one of my favourite people to ever see speak. He's got uh, he has a beautiful speaking voice that helps as well. But hilarious. I mean, really heartfelt message and uh, a super polished public speaker. I mean, certainly one of the people that I have most admired uh, and wanted to to be like. Although I think uh, in terms of actual voice. I've always wanted my voice to sound more like uh, Patrick Stewart from Star Trek because <laughs> I think he has the best speaking voice. Oh, cool. I mean, you remind me a bit. One of the most of my presentation skills courses I did with a man by the name of Dwayne Alley that I know you know. And for me to this day, he's one of the best trainers I have ever trained with. I agree. And mm-hmm. what I try to do afterwards is I try to become Dwayne Alley. So I did what he did and I said what he said. And then after a while, I was like, well, this is not really me. So I changed you know, my style to be more authentic to me. I would always say to people, when you see somebody that you love the way they present, mimic them for a while because it'll raise your confidence. Right. And then eventually, you know, you'll find your own way of doing it. But even if you can find one thing, and I suggest that, I suggest focus on one thing at a time. You know, if you make a list of 10 things you want to improve, it's going to be very hard to incorporate them all in your next presentation. So look at somebody that presents well, find one thing that you like about listening to the presentation or watching it, and then you implement it 
uh, in your next presentation until you ace it and you do the next one. And like I say, you know, eventually when your confidence is there and things just starting to flow and you start having a conversation, like right now, I'm just having a conversation with you. We're just chatting. There's nothing scripted, so it's no. natural as opposed to, um, hi, John, it is lovely to meet you today. My name is, you know, so... My recording was a bit more like that, unfortunately, <laughs> but yeah, this is, this is the, yeah. more the, the star that I want the pod, my podcast to be in, yeah. And again, you know, this is not because people are idiots. It's just simply the fear that kicks in that inhibits the way of naturally communicating. Yeah, it's like, hello, I am presenting you now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, what I, what, I, what I love about recordings is uh, people are sometimes shocked to hear how much their voice and tonality changes when they present. Yeah. They don't realize that it sounds anything but natural because they're in such a state of panic. And then, you know, once they overcome that and it starts becoming a conversation, of course, everything changes. Yeah, I, I can remember um, years ago now, I did some work with uh, now defunct Gaydar Radio in London. And I, I went on as a guest coach on, their, on one of their programs a, a few times. And it was a lot of fun, but I listened to the recording back afterwards. And I thought, oh my God, that's what I sound like. And people are going to be hearing that. And it wasn't until other people started kind of saying, oh, you sound so good on the radio that I thought, oh, maybe I don't sound nearly as bad as I thought I did because we yeah. all hate hearing the sound of our voice back recorded because it doesn't sound how we're used to hearing yeah. ourselves. And, yeah. and yet um, you, do, you do start to get used to it when you video yourself or when you record yourself and play it back, you will get used to it and you will accept that that's how you sound and, yeah. and work with it, work with the tools you've got. Don't, uh, don't wish that you didn't sound like that. Just work on, improve your tonality, improve your quality of voice. And you know, there's lots of good voice coaching stuff out there as well that can give you some really helpful pointers in that direction. I want, to, I want to come back to, to what you actually do and, and ask you what have been some of your biggest successes or some of the things that have happened that you've been most proud of from your work? Well, there's two that I mentioned earlier, women that you know threw up and then ended up speaking to groups of people loving it. The one who finally, after how long, actually started doing her own online workshops. There are a few people actually who... I've been struggling to do workshops face-to-face. -face. I mean, you, you do know because you have experience with it. You need to find a venue and the people and the marketing and all that stuff and pay deposits. But, you know, you, you don't want to pay the deposit before you've got people, but you can't confirm people because before you pay them, you know. Mm -hmm. So doing online courses, is, of course, is a no-brainer. There's no layout. There's no investment. There's no venue to cancel or, you know, coffee or tea to provide. So uh, quite a few students have gone on and created their own online courses. And also some of them have started teaching some of the content that I teach. So they're kind of spreading the word. Um, and teaching other people. So for me, to, to grow the ability to make a living from something you love when those stories come in, because, you know, I am, I am I, I'm doing that. Um, of course, you know, I went bankrupt twice in my life before I'm now doing it. Um, but to help people actually build a business doing what they love as opposed to doing things just for the money, I think that, that's my biggest thing because it... You know, I know I've used the phrase a few times today, but it really changes everything. 
when you, when I wake up in the morning and I know I have a three day workshop coming and I'm being paid well, it just you know it's just, just fabulous. Great. You mentioned earlier about feedback, and so I want to ask you what if you remember what's the best feedback you ever got? Sure. That's a. That's a great question. I never really thought of it. Um, yeah, John, nothing comes to mind, <laughs> to mind <laughs> right now. Um, there's a whole testimonial page on my website. Maybe I should read it again. Maybe, uh, it's been maybe, a while. Maybe take yes. it back. But is there, I mean, you, meant, you mentioned um, Dwayne for other people. Who do who out of all the people you've encountered in the trainings events has encouraged you the most and cheered you along the most? So, uh, Dwayne was one of them. You know, even though I I, I found some most of those excruciating, um, he kept affirming me. And then there was Johnny Cass was in one of those courses, and he affirmed me. And then you crewed some of the courses I was at. You know, most of the crew were very supportive and encouraging. So that was great. And then um, I started teaching the energy psychology stuff, as I said, before I did the presentation skills courses. And I, I've also, you know, I've taught in 15 countries. So I, I've traveled a lot going to places where I don't know a single human being. And then I do some sort of course there. And the feedback was typically the same, that you are a very good presenter. Initially, I, you know, I didn't believe it because you know, I also had self-image issues and self-confidence lacking. So I didn't believe it. But you know, eventually, when enough people tell you the same thing, it really is time to start believing some of it. And then in the energy psychology courses i also started getting good feedback from people that really love the way that i present now you know make no mistake i'm not everybody's cup of tea and i'm really okay with that you know i think it's either you love me or you hate me and i'm okay with either one um but i started getting more and more affirming feedback so that that night in sydney when i sat there and this idea popped into my head i believed with every cell in my body that i could do a good job of actually teaching what i've learned um so yeah, I just had a lot of support, you know, friends, family, my sister specifically, one of them. Uh, she really kicked my bum uh, for about a year before I came up with the presentation skills course because the energy psychology stuff wasn't my work. It was somebody else's invention. And she kept saying to me, you know so much more than energy psychology. Why don't you teach other stuff? You know, again, my confidence wasn't up. I didn't think, you know, what do I know? How can I'm I going to create a course? You know, there's so much other stuff out there. Um, so she kept taking my ass until I actually um, started teaching my own stuff. Um, so yeah, also big support from her. Right. When someone asks you, what do you do? How do you describe it? <laughs> do you know, somebody asked me on the weekend, um, he didn't ask me what I did. He asked me, what's my life mission? And mm-hmm. without thinking about it, the, the word that came, the words came out of my mouth. I've never said those words. Is I help people to believe in themselves by believing in them. And I think there's something in that. There were a lot of people. It's kind of similar to the question you just asked me. A lot of people have believed in me for a very long time, even when I didn't believe in myself. And I think that continuous blessing, you know, helped me to raise my self-esteem, so that I could actually um, start believing that I was actually good enough to do this this stuff. Great. What would you be doing then if you hadn't gone into this work? What would you be doing right now if you weren't teaching presentation skills? Um, 
Uh, how do you mean? If if you if you had done if you were doing something else, if this wasn't your work, what do you think you'd be oh. doing? You know, I do, I do actually do other things other than presentation skills. My main work is facilitating groups uh, and seeing, you know, occasional one-to-one -one clients. It's not my main business. So I've run retreats in different countries. It's always around groups of people and facilitating teaching. You know, I taught the energy psychology on teaching presentation skills, run retreats. I've done leadership work. I've done men's work. Just as last weekend, um, last year with a whole meet to, you know, women saying they've had enough of men abusing them. Uh, it put some men in a position where they didn't know how to respond to that. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't say yes, but not me. You know, they, they wanted to just listen to women. Uh, but again, they didn't know how to express themselves. So just this last weekend, I ran a workshop with other people, co-facilitated it, to help some of those men to actually acknowledge the whole uh, gender-based violence and how to, you know, how to work with that. So I think... Always people, always groups, always teaching, facilitating in some way, shape, or form. Uh, or if I'd stayed in corporate, I probably would have been dead by now. There's nothing wrong with corporate in any way, shape, or form. I worked for a fantastic company, and right now I'm doing consulting for corporate. At that particular point in time, it was just not for me anymore. I, I just knew that I had to do my own thing in working with people. Yeah. There, there may be some people watching or listening who are thinking that they would like to take their first steps into presenting, learning public speaking skills. What would you recommend that they do to start? The very first thing I would suggest is do some of the energy psychology stuff on your own so that you can see how it works for you. Um, there's some free stuff on my website where you can help yourself overcome the fear of public speaking. I think that's got to be the first step. Um, those who then have overcome the fear or most of the fear, um, then it's a case of, you know, of doing a course, if not mine, then another course um, to actually teach yourself skills. And then the third thing I would say, find people who are good at giving skillful feedback that makes you feel good after the feedback so that you can grow. And then, of course, as we said, you know, record your own stuff. But for me, the be-all and the end-all, the beginning and the end, has to be overcoming the fear. And there's a lot of stuff people can do for themselves to do that with the, the particularly the EFT tapping tool. Is, is there a question that I should have asked or you wish I'd asked? On the <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that question in all my interviews. Um, is there a question that you should have asked? Oh, so here's perhaps something that um, uh, is a bit revealing uh, and also could be inspiring. Who knows? Um, Benny, do you still get nervous and anxious before you present? And um, the answer is yes, I do sometimes. I, you know, the difference is, uh, of course, there's a fine line between excitement and fear. Sometimes I don't really know which is which. Um, I do sometimes before, of course, think, you know, what if it doesn't work? What if the technique suddenly stops working? I mean, they work every time. You know, what if? So I still get nervous and anxious sometimes. The difference is just that I I do it anyway, and then you know usually within the first few seconds or minutes the fear dissipates and it's just pure joy just doing that. But sometimes people, in my experience, they expect to be completely neutral or excited about presenting, and I think that probably does happen for some people. But again, the rest of us have the better nerves. You know, it is it is a risk 
to present in front of people. You have the opportunity to influence, you, you know, that's kind of the basis of your work, to influence people. And it also has the potential of falling flat. It's a fact of life. People are going to judge you, doesn't matter what you do. It's not a case of if they judge you, it's a case of how they judge you, because judge they will. And it's possible some people won't like you. And it's possible that somebody might not agree with what you say. So it is risky. Um, of course, you know, the payoffs are immense if you actually talk about something you're passionate about and that you love. And um, yeah, so you're a bit nervous, so what? Just do it anyway. Great. That's good advice and words. I'm sure some people are going to want to find out more about you and check out your energy psychology information and maybe see what upcoming trainings you may have. Uh, so where, where should people go to find out more about you and what you so the first one, those who want to know more about energy psychology, go to my one website, deepliving.com, D-E-E-P-L-I-V-I-N-G.com. It has the techniques, how it works, there's videos, there's research, all sorts of stuff for self-help. And then specifically around the presentation skills, the website is called fallinlovewithpresenting.com. Uh, and the uh, yeah, it's all up there. Fantastic. Well, we put those links in the episode description as well for anyone who wants to go and check them out. Highly recommend it. And Benny, it's been a joy chatting with you today. Technology has finally got on our side and we have had the best quality uh, connection that I think we've managed to have. So let me ask one thing. Any final thoughts to leave our audience with today? I hate this cliche, feel the fear and do it anyway, because I think it's, you know, it's so, so cliche. If you really want to find a way to, to have a lot of joy and fulfillment in your life, I do think it's about finding a way to express yourself. Now, that could be just potting in a garden or helping sick kids. But if it involves getting a message out there, I think you owe it to yourself to do what you can to be able to communicate that in a fun, humorous, light, engaging, passionate way. And if, you know, I also hate it when people say, if I could do it, then you can do it. But it's actually true. Right. You know, I was petrified, red in my neck, sweaty, all that stuff, and now I love it. So, yeah, decide that you want to do it if you want to do it, and then stick with it, persist, 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 and practice, 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 and, um, yeah, find, find your voice. Benny, thank you. It's been a real pleasure having you as a guest today. I'm finally glad the gods of technology finally smiled on us and uh, wish you every continued success with everything you've got going to do. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure you like and subscribe to stay updated for future episodes. If you think you'd make a great guest on the Loki podcast, or you know someone who would, or you have any feedback that might help us to improve the show in the future, please email me directly, john at presentinfluence.com, or visit the Present Influence website, or our LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter accounts. We look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you there, and seeing you again on a future episode of the Loki podcast.